You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes. Welcome everyone back to the post game broadcast. I'm David Woods from Burn Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24/7 Sports Network. I am coming to you right after uh, UCLA beat Coastal Carolina. 27-13 in the season opener. A lot of different ways to look at this game. I think in the game, there were lots of moments of uh, obvious frustration and deep and abiding WTF. Um, this was 14-13 to with Coastal driving at one point, uh, finished 27-13, so obviously um, turned out quite a bit more comfortable than it looked for a stretch there in the third quarter um, and into the fourth quarter. Uh but a lot of takeaways. Um, I think the first and foremost big one is we've seen a lot of weird early season Chip Kelly games. So I would keep a little bit of perspective that this one had some added weirdness where the quarterback situation was not yet figured out to the coaching staff's liking. And so there was that just kind of fundamental issue um, hanging like a cloud over everything. Um and there's always the usual Chip Kelly weirdness. I saw our man Osgood uh, tweeted it out. Um, pretty vanilla game plan. Um, pretty vanilla play calling uh, offensively. Um, so uh, just there were there were enough factors here that were going to make it weird. It's why I didn't have UCLA covering coming into the game. I didn't predict that the game would be as close as it was at the different meaningful moments. Um, but it finishing as a 14 point win feels about right to me, uh, given what UCLA was clearly and obviously telling everyone that they were going to be experimenting with in this game. So I think just that caveat up front, and I would advise everyone to keep a little bit of perspective. You know, I think making any grand pronouncements like UCLA is not going to be as good as I thought they were, you know, they're going to go seven and five or whatever, tap the brakes on that at least for a couple weeks, because this game was always going to be weird. That all being said, uh, main takeaways, uh, offensively, obviously the, the big one, um, Ethan Garbers started at quarterback. Ethan Garbers played, I think it was four of the first five series, and there were a couple of moments on his first drive that looked pretty good. The touchdown throw to Carson Ryan in particular is what I'm thinking of, um, but for the most part, it looked, he had like a, a sense and it, it almost looked like he was the true freshman. There was a feel of nervousness around him. Um, and he was missing throws that I've never seen him miss in practice. Um, I'm thinking of the one where, uh, J. Michael Sturdivant on the near sideline almost had like a moment of throwing his hands up in frustration, uh, because the ball was so off. Um, I think, it, I, I think there were some obvious nerves there. Um, and, uh, the, the first interception I thought was, you know, it, the thing with Ethan Garbers, and uh, I think to be fair to him, is even as the older player, he doesn't actually have all that much game experience. Um, and you could make a fair enough argument that Dante Moore, uh, playing 12 or however many games of competitive high school football last year, maybe has a little bit less rust than Ethan Garbers does, uh, who hasn't who just hasn't played all that much football since high school. 
Um, now that, you know, all to the side, because the reality is in this game, what we saw of Moore uh, far eclipsed what we saw of Garbers. Uh, Moore did throw his own pick, and they kind of had similar picks where they, they threw it up after getting a bunch of pressure uh, from Coastal Carolina. Uh, but for the more one, you're like, well, he's a true freshman. You understand it. And the pressure was dead in his face, and he was at least throwing into a one-on-one. Um, Garbers, it was just a complete toss-up um, that you couldn't even really tell where the ball was intended to go. Um, so, but anyway, um, the, the the breakdown with the quarterback competition, I think um, we saw it in the second half uh, that Moore took, as soon as he got his second set of series, he didn't relinquish them again. Um, and that was, I think, the... I think it was the third series of the second half. Uh, I'd have to go back and look. But I think it was the third series of the second half, and then he, he took the rest of the game, took the uh, uh, victory formation stuff at the end. I I, I don't know, and, I, and maybe we'll hear it from Chip. I doubt very much he's going to announce the starter in the end game post-press conference thing. I think that would be uh, antithetical to kind of how Chip operates. Um I wouldn't be surprised if Dante Moore starts uh, against San Diego State. I also wouldn't be surprised if we continue uh, seeing a little bit more of a tandem the next couple of weeks. And I'm not saying that's right. Uh, it, for me, I would I would probably go with Moore. Um, and I think what was shown on the field today, the, so the main standout for me, if, if people are like maybe still on the fence about it, and I don't know looking at the board if people are, the main thing that stands out to me is that there is a quarterback on this team who can take advantage of the skill sets of the players that UCLA has acquired in the transfer portal, and that player is Dante Moore. And we saw it with, uh, look at what J. Michael Sturdivant did with Moore versus what he did with Garbers. Uh, Garbers, there was a lot of throws to Carson Ryan, a lot of throws to Logan Loya, a lot of throws to the guys who are kind of like the traditional pieces of a Chip Kelly offense, you know, your slots, your tight ends. Uh, with more, you're getting a different skill set, a different set of eyes, um, and this ability to throw with touch downfield that, you know, go watch, just go watch that Sturdivant throw over and over and over again, because it had two elements. One was J. Michael Sturdivant just beating the hell out of that corner off the snap. A lot of guys could have made that throw for a long gain. But to hit that in stride with a perfect touch pass that was almost impossible not to catch. Like, it's so perfectly thrown that all you kind of have to do is lift your hands up and it's right there um, and catch him perfectly in stride so he doesn't have to take a second looking back at that ball. Um, That's that's rare. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks at UCLA who haven't been able to throw with that kind of touch. So for him to be able to do that and utilize a weapon like J-Mike is... Something UCLA needs to be cognizant of because that guy, that J. Mike fella, he's not going to be in school very long. I'd be surprised if he's here next year. So if if you're UCLA and you're trying to maximize your efficiencies, you're trying to maximize the potential of this year's team, well, which quarterback does that? Um, and I think we saw evidence of it today. And it wasn't just that throw. I mean, just knowing on third down, oh, I've got I've got that guy. I've got that 6'3 monster who can just make plays against these corners, and I'm going to throw it to him. Uh, he did that on a little sideline pass, and they ran the next play very quickly. But it was a catch. It definitely was. Um, I think you've got a quarterback now. You've obviously got a quarterback who's willing to take those chances, willing to take those shots, and can hit them. Uh, and I think 
for me, if, you know, it's a short season. Games, you only have 12 of these opportunities. You don't have time to mess around that long. Uh, If you're looking to take advantage of what you have in place at the receiving positions, um, it's more. Got to be more, and you get him ready. And boy, howdy, he's going to make some freshman mistakes. I don't think that interception is the last one you're going to see, Um, but he's also going to hit, you know, a handful of deep bombs that are going to make you open your eyes and go, wow. Um, And that is what's going to set UCLA's offense apart this year. Uh, The rest of the offense... um, the offensive line, I thought, was pretty poor uh, in some respects. Again, going off the initial read, I think Coastal Carolina was doing a lot of sellout blitzes, and I think you can blame the offensive line at a certain level, but also, well, what was the call against? Like, and did the quarterback not read them out of uh, an all-out blitz? Did Duke Clemens not do a great job of you know figuring out what was going on, communicating that to the quarterback? What happened there? It's not necessarily, oh, it went through the, uh, you know, it went through this gap, so it's that guy's fault. You know, if they're sending seven and you have five to block, there's not a whole lot you can do if you're just an offensive lineman. Um, but that being said, there was a lot lot of pressure on both Moore and Garbers throughout the game. And I, I, I saw some people saying this. In the preview, I wrote about this, but Coastal Carolina's defense was very, very bad, but it was this unique kind of bad where the secondary was horrible, but the other aspects of the defense were okay. Uh, the rush defense was fine. The pass rush was actually quite good. They were top 25 in sack rate last year, so it wasn't a big surprise to me that they got pressure. It was just the significant amount of pressure. It seemed like, especially in like the middle stretches of the game, it felt like they were getting pressure on every passing down. Um and so that's that's a concern. Again, though, first game, a lot of new pieces, and they were rotating a lot. Um, there were you, you were seeing a ton of different faces in on the offensive line. Hard to gel that way. Again, I would think things will stabilize a little bit as the season goes on. Um, probably not in the non-conference. I think they're going to work some things out in the non-conference, but I would anticipate it to look better as the season goes on just because it looked like a lot of, you know, communication breakdowns, you know, and just guys without a lot of game reps um, getting worked. And, you know, as they get more game reps, maybe they'll look a little bit better. But yeah, offensive line was an issue. Um, I would say another kind of quirky thing uh, was running back. Carson Steele, um, I didn't keep a full snap count track, but I want to say he took about, in the first half, it was like 80% of snaps. Uh, In the second half, TJ Harden probably got at least even um, or so. But um, watching those two guys run, and this might just be, again, this might be a little bit of my own bias because I had a read on this out of spring that I thought was pretty valid. Uh, But I thought TJ Harden ran uh, with more force, more tenacity, better vision, uh, and certainly more explosion than Steele. And that's not to say Steele was bad. I mean, he averaged uh, almost six yards a carry, and that was even with some junk time. You know, they know you're going to run, and you're still going to run. Um, but there wasn't any of the breakaway stuff that Harden looks capable of doing. Um, so I, I was I was intrigued by that. Um, and I'm interested to see how that shakes out over the course of the season. Because eyeballing this game, I would say, oh, well, maybe we, you know, maybe maybe flip that the other way next game and see what that looks like, especially against a pretty good defensive team, um, and see if Harden, uh, you know, getting the lion's share of the first half carries maybe puts you in a little bit better position. Um, 
I think those guys should more or less split. I'm just not sure if the 60-40 or whatever it is in favor of Steele is the right split. Um, maybe a 50-50, maybe 60-40 in favor of Harden. Um, so that's a minor note, but that's just um, something that popped out to me watching the game. And then in the receiving core, I would say, obviously, you got J. Mike. Um, I think the rotations are too many guys are playing. Um, and I think they had Ryan Cragen, the, the walk-on. I think they had him in there a lot of times to block. If you watch him, he's often running ahead of the running back, um, like going in motion, and then he's kind of the lead blocker. I, I assume they must love his blocking. Um, playing a little too much, though. Um, and I, I and that's not me knocking Cragen, because I think he's actually a pretty good player. And on previous UCLA teams, I think he would have an absolute role. Like, he's a, he's a superior player. Andrew Baumgartner, whatever you want to call it. Um, but they have too many weapons. Like, we didn't see much of any uh, Titus Mokiawa to Malala tonight. Uh, Cam Brown, I don't think, caught a ball. Uh, th- th- there's a lot of players uh, in this receiving core. Um, and you've got to manage that. Uh, because as Chip Kelly said at halftime, there's going to be fewer snaps this year. There's going to be fewer drives. There's going to be fewer plays. Uh, the numbers are not going to be huge for a lot of these guys. And if you've got a lot of mouths to feed in the receiving core, um, I just don't think you can be too cute. Uh, and I'm not saying playing Craig is cute. You know, I, I, I definitely think he has a role. But um, you know, there are guys on this team that uh, you have to be cognizant of the reality that Sturdivant's probably gone after this year. Kyle Ford might be gone after this year. Um, do you want dudes to transfer out? Um, who are maybe further back on the depth chart, who could be playing a little bit more right now. Um, this is just, you know, they're kind of uh, bigger thoughts, but um, worth thinking about. And again, early season, working through rotations, all that kind of stuff. I just, uh, that's something that popped out to me. Defensively, I thought it was a really interesting game. Because first, on the on the very positive side, Holden Coastal Carolina to 13 points with all they returned experience-wise, I think is impressive. Um, and yes, how they got it done, we're going to get into that. But I thought it was impressive to hold them to that amount. Um, Coastal Carolina wasn't as good last year as they had been the previous two years, but this was still a very good offense last year. Uh, Grayson McCall is one of the best returning quarterbacks in all of college football. They returned their top three receivers. They returned their top three running backs. They returned their top three offensive line uh, to hold them to 13 points, to hold them to 56 rushing yards, um, and I would say a relatively inefficient passing day. Uh, That's really good. To intercept McCall twice is very good. Um, Now, caveats. Caveat one is that Coastal Carolina is not running the same offense, and I do think Coastal Carolina is going to have some major, major issues this year, just eyeballing them. Um, Now, again, it's first game stuff, and we don't know exactly how good UCLA's defense is yet, but McCall just does not look like he is fully seeing this offense the way he saw what they were doing with Jamie Chadwell. So that's... One note, just kind of on the mitigating circumstance side, that I, I think Coastal Carolina is working through its own stuff while trying to um, deal with UCLA's defense. That being said, uh, UCLA's defense had some really, really good things about it in this game. Um, and I think they get lost in the obvious problem, which we'll get to in a second, which was cornerback. Um, but there were some really good things happening up front uh, in the front seven. Um, oh, and the obvious issue of uh, stop jumping off sides, guys. Uh, I think there were six in this game. 
Um, and it's very, very lucky that it didn't come back to bite them in a huge way, but that was insane. So don't do that anymore. But um, UCLA's pass rush, I think, showed up. Um, its edge play was... Its edge play in this game was what it was billed to be heading into last year. Like, we saw in this game, I thought, the Murphy Twins, aside again from the um, constant offsides, uh, really showed up. I thought uh, Leatu Latu, especially, I mean, at the end of this game, he had three sacks. He finished with three sacks. That puts him on pace for 36 in a regular season. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Um, but Carl Jones, uh, and this was something that just really stood out to me. It felt like he played probably 75% of snaps. And I know that's probably not right. I know it's probably fewer, but, uh, this was one of the first times I felt like a coaching staff kind of said, you know, that guy, he actually can play. I really don't care what size he is. He can really play. Let's play him. And I think they were rewarded. Um, he, uh, recovered the fumble there at the end, but, uh, just making monstrous plays off the edge, open field tackles. He's just a playmaker, uh, and I thought he was one of UCLA's best defensive players in this game. But the edges generally, I thought, played really well. Um, and then I thought at D-tackle, I didn't love the rotation. I thought there were um, a lot of guys playing probably too many snaps in the back end of the rotation. I don't know what the conditioning level is. I don't know what the plan is there exactly, but... Uh, Jay Toey, I thought was really good. I thought Gary Smith, when he played, was pretty good. I thought um, uh, Keanu Williams was pretty good when he played. I just didn't love, uh, we, we saw a lot of Dovid Magna. Um, and I just, I think he's a great piece to have at the back end of your depth. I'm not sure he's a guy that you want playing, you know, whatever he ended up doing in this game. I think it was about 40, 50% of the snaps. Um then uh, Devin Ayupiu, uh had a great play uh, late in the game, lining up in kind of a pass rush formation uh, at D-tackle, so I wanted to shout that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought, broadly speaking, the defensive line uh, more than did its job. Linebacker, I thought, was pretty good. You know, Darius Musau had a couple of moments where it looked a little bit more like last year. Uh, there was one little dump off to, I think, a running back late in the game where he just got kind of stuck in mud and couldn't move his feet fast enough to react. Uh, but for the most part, he tackled well, and I didn't see as many issues with him just, like, being super slow to react to the play, uh, which I thought was a really good sign. He looked quicker, uh, and not just physically, but mentally. Uh, thing looked like things were kind of slowing down a little bit for him, which was good to see. Kane Madrano, I thought, played one of his better games, uh, just generally, as a Bruin. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, generally speaking at linebacker, I thought it was pretty okay. Uh, I didn't see too many issues, um, but, you know, there. I'll have to go back and look. I don't think they rotated nearly as much as they have in the past at linebacker. It felt like we saw Muasau in on most every play. It felt like we saw Madrano in on most every play. Um, so there wasn't as much. I mean, I saw Cajo. I saw um, a little bit of Femi, but I didn't see nearly as much uh, as we're used to. I saw Femi actually lining up on the edge a couple of times. Um, so that was all interesting. That's stuff that we'll kind of investigate more when we look back at the, uh, game. Uh, but then obviously the elephant in the room was cornerback play, which was a nightmare, uh, for, uh, two and a half quarters at least. Um, Devin Kirkwood started off the game really struggling, um, playing off in situations where he needed to not be playing so far off. There was one play where, it was a third and nine, and he was playing. Uh, by the time the ball came out, he was uh, a full 12 or 13 yards off the line of scrimmage. 
just not a it, that continuing issue of not acknowledging down and distance with how you're playing a particular receiver. Um, and he'd had issues with that guy, so I think it was a reaction to previous issues. But you just have to you have to be cognizant of where you are on the field. And at that point in the field, you just got to play up on the guy. Because even if you get a PI, I think this was in the red zone, even if you get a PI right there, it's half the distance. Like, you're basically giving up the exact same amount no matter what. So just play him aggressively at the, at the stick and hope for the best. Um, so that, uh, and Kirkwood had an issue or two earlier than that. Um, and then John Humphrey had a horrible sequence where... First, he got burned down the sideline, then he missed a bad tackle down the sideline, and then on the other end got taken for a touchdown, um, and just really rough moments uh, for the senior. I don't know I don't know what to do there. First, again, we'll say it again, Coastal Carolina returned their top three receivers. They're not scrubs, but if you look at the rest of the Pac-12, not a whole lot of scrubs in the receiving core. So, yeah, not not a great situation. Uh, Jalen Davies played generally better. It was good to see him rewarded with that pick um, because I thought he kind of to our point from a long time ago or from basically the spring is that he's got just a feel. He's got more of a feel for the position. So he's not like the athletic marvel, the, the size, the length of Humphrey or Kirkwood. But he's generally in a better position to make a play. Um, he's generally got his eyes on the ball, on the player at the same time. He's generally just doing those heady things that you want to see from a cornerback. Um, so, you know, uh, but it was good to see him get that pick. And then it was good to see Humphrey recover with that that interception at the end. Um, I don't think it mitigates, you know, what happened before. But it's nice to see these kind of redemptive moments for guys who had tough games. Uh, safety, um, I, I can't believe I've gone this far without mentioning him, but Kamari Ramsey, especially in the early going of this game, was by far the best defensive player. Um, didn't notice him as much in the second half, but in the first half, uh, he played really good football. Um, you know, made a couple of open field tackles, um, but was also just like seeing things really well. There was one play where McCall kind of reversed field. Um, the You know, it was a some kind of trickeration where it was going one way and then he brought it back the other way and Ramsey just read the whole thing well and turned it from being a, uh, you know, what might have been a eight, nine-yard gain into a three-yard gain because he just tracked it the whole way and forced it further and further out to the sideline. Um, but also, uh, he made a great third down stop. Uh, I think he's going to be a good one. Um, and then special teams was was uh, uh, <laughs> bizarre, uh, I think would be the word. I don't. I, I, I've seen kickers do it, so I don't know why um, they don't have R.J. Lopez taking kickoffs anymore when he's taking place kicks, uh, when he's kicking field goals. Uh, he was really good at kickoff. Um, I don't know if it's just they're two different types of kicks, but we've seen UCLA kickers in the past do both. So I don't. I don't know what the dynamics are there, but Glessner took the first one and kicked it out of bounds. Um, uh, but R.J. Lopez hit his kicks, so um, and one was a 47-yarder, and he hit it pretty well. Um, so that was good to see. I hadn't heard good things about the kicking competition, so that was really good to see. Uh, and then Will, Will Powers uh, banged a couple of nice punts. Uh, one a 57-yarder, uh, one I think went down to the one, um, and both of them inside the 20. So that's that's a really, I mean, that's great. On the other side, I, I, I do not understand the Colson Yankoff on kickoff returns. I'm not going to understand it. Um, and I think the reason I'm not going to understand it is because what happened in this game is probably what's going to happen in every game. Um, first, Yankoff, good straight line speed, not a lot of shake to him. Um, so I don't really understand the dynamic of having him as your kickoff returner. 
uh, if you're trying to make plays out of it. it if you're just going to fair catch it, but I mean, he had two returns in this game, um, and they've got some they've got some guys who can run who I think would like an extra touch on the football. So I just don't really understand that one. Um, so, but you know, whatever. Uh, as long as he doesn't fumble, which he nearly did on the first one, it's not going to make or break you. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's about it for game one. Uh, again, I wouldn't take any huge, you know, uh, crazy takeaways from this one. I think UCLA has found its quarterback. I think, uh, they need to trim down the receiver rotation. I think the offensive line has some issues, but it might work itself out over the course of a few games. And I think the defense is about what we kind of thought it was going to be front seven, pretty good back line. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of weird shrugging emoji. Um, but UCLA won by 14 points in the home opener and it was a testing ground for a lot of things. So I wouldn't be too down on things after that one. All right. I'm going to begin writing a recap now, uh, and hope everyone out there has a good night. Paramount plus and the national park foundation present a mountain of Zen. This earth week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.